take a moment and breathe. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, media team. Thank you, everybody who serves. Those in Kid City, thank you all. I want to begin this morning making two very important acknowledgments. Um, those of you who know Lyra Stevens, those of you who are close to her, know what she's going through, some health challenges and uh, thank you, Matt, for giving me uh, permission to share this portion. But, um, she will be starting six weeks of radiation beginning Wednesday. And so we're going to pray for her this morning and the family. And I also want to acknowledge the Dawsons, Steve and Mary Jane, who are here, who are grieving the loss of their son. We're going to pray for them today. I thank you, all of you who have been by their side, who are around them. They're going to need your support this week, months, years from now. So what we do at New Community is we come around each other and we support each other. Now, it might be weird to kind of <laughs> shift everybody around, so I don't want to do that. But those who are near them, if they're okay with that, you can put your hands on them. If you know where they are, extend your hands to them and let's pray for them this morning. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you, Lord, that you are God and you sit with us, not only in the joy, but in the pain, in the hurt, in the sorrow, in the times when we don't understand what's happening. So Lord, I thank you this week as Lyra goes in for radiation that you you will strengthen her. We thank you, Lord, that you are the healer and you can perform miracles. And we trust you for that. We pray for strength in her heart and in her mind as she walks through this painful time. We thank, for, thank you, Lord, for strengthening Matt and the kids as they're going through this, Lord God, that you would be with them in the lonely hours of the day and the night and be with them through this community, that they will know and feel your love today. Lord, I thank you for the Dawsons as they sit here in raw grief and pain. And Lord, only you know the depth of it. But we thank you, Lord, that we can trust in you. So I pray that you would be their strength this morning. Use this community, Lord, whatever way you see fit to strengthen them, to encourage them. Lord, we sit here and we acknowledge this hurts, this is painful, and we mourn with them today. We grieve with them today. And I pray in the midst of this, oh God, that your strength and your truth will shine. And Lord, that we will be careful to give you all the glory and the praise. And I pray for this message, Lord God, as I bring your word Encourage us by your word. These are your words, Lord, not mine. 
So speak, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you all. And church family, let's do our part to check in on them. Stevens, Dawson's, whatever they need, meals, maybe it's just presents. We are here for you all. Amen. Thank you, Cece. Whew. As was mentioned, we are concluding our sermon series, Back to the Basics. And we've been blessed the past few weeks. We had Dr. Dennis Edwards, who came before us the first week. And the past two weeks, we've had Pastor Kevin Swanson. So um, it's always a pleasure for me to be able to follow such uh, gifted uh, men and women who preach who've been doing this much longer than I have. So I'm always humbled by that. If I were to, to kind of give this a subtitle, um, back to the basics, it's simply this, the message hasn't changed. The message has not changed. So anytime we talk about back to the basics, we're talking about what's foundational. And personal example, I'll just go back to my football days when I was in high school. I played all four years. I don't miss them. However, in that season of my life, back to the basics or what was foundational was something we regularly heard. In other words, in order to be successful in our sport, in order to win, there are certain things we have to achieve, we've got to accomplish, certain things we have to have in mind. You've got to make your tackles, you've got to hold on to the ball, you know, you've got to uh, make sure not to miss your blocking assignments. All of those things back to the basics. This is foundational in order to be successful. We say this in regards to other things. We talk about money, education. Back to the basics. What is foundational? What do I need to be successful at this? And if you're non-Christian, I'm glad that you're here because I do want you to know that the Christian faith is, is not built upon just a set of rules and regulations. It's not just take these rules, take these regulations, do them and you're good. But rather what's foundational for us is the person and work of Jesus Christ, right? That is foundational. We begin with a person. You see, you've got to understand that the Christian faith is a response to what God has done. So God is always initiating it, right? Before the first words that should come out of our mouth is God. God did something. Not me, not what I need to do, but God did something. In the beginning, God created. We always go back to God. That's our foundation. That's where we start. That's our motivation. And we know the story. We know the reality of human sin, of disobedience, and all of the chaos that erupted in our culture, in our world that we talk about now, the evil, the injustice that's going on, the sin, the immorality. It is because of the fall, disobedience. But that's not my main focus right now because God did something. The beauty of the gospel is that God didn't leave us alone. God moved, God acted, God reached into human existence and brought a change. Foundation, 
back to the basics. This is central to our faith. Central to this story is the life of Jesus Christ, the life, the death, and resurrection of Jesus. So for us, the Christian faith is simply us responding to something God did. Now, some of you might ask as we talk about Jesus and the resurrection because we're in that season and we are celebrating what Christ did. And some of you might be thinking, well, you know, does the resurrection have to be something that's literal, right? Is it, uh, you know, in light of science and in light of what we understand, can we think of the resurrection in allegorical terms, if you will? Is this that this is something that even though it, it wasn't real, didn't really physically happen, there's still something inspirational about it. We we can take from that, right? Is that some of you might be thinking, can I be a Christian but not really believe this resurrection thing is the real thing? I have a short answer for you. No. <laughs> but let me tell you why. The death and bodily resurrection of Jesus, for one, is the content of our faith. It's the actual content of our faith. That's what we are believing. I want to pull up Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10. This is Paul, and he's, he's expounding upon his desire for the Jewish people to come to know Jesus, right, and to place their faith. You know, they've got the law, but he wants them to have a righteousness that comes from faith. And here's what he says, the content of our faith, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. There's a bold proclamation of being associated with Jesus, that he died, but that he rose again physically, bodily. It is the content of our faith. Second reason, if he didn't rise, hard to break it to you, but we are still in our sins and we are without hope. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 through 18. There was some chatter about Christ isn't risen, the dead don't rise. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say, there is no resurrection of the dead. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up. If in fact the dead do not rise, for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Do you get the picture? If Jesus is still in the ground, we are without hope. Your sins are not dealt with because it means he didn't conquer our sin. That's why he had to get up. Because if he just died, well then he's no different from any other Joe who was crucified 
under the hands of the Roman Empire. He had to get up. Because not only is he taking our sin, he's reversing the impact, the effects of sin. He had to get up. The third reason, and final. This is about Jesus' own credibility. He based his own credibility on this truth. This was the sign that he gave to that generation. As recorded in John chapter 2, he just cleanses the temple. <laughs> he says, so the Jews answered and said to him, what sign do you show us since you do these things? Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. His own credibility. Throughout his ministry, he's telling his disciples, he's telling the public in code, but he tells them, I'm going to die, I'm going to be handed over, but on the third day, I'm going to get up. Now, if I believe in Jesus, is he a liar? If I really trust him, are his words credible? Because if he didn't get up, if his bones are still buried in Jerusalem, we have a problem. Because now I'm saying I'm trusting in this dude who ain't who he says he is. Do, do you see why this is so important to our faith? It's not something that we can just take loosely, put to the side and uh, maybe. No, it is central to our faith. The message hasn't changed. How can we trust a liar? So I want to turn your attention to Acts chapter 4. I want to park here for a little bit because this is the message that we preach. Jesus died, was buried, and on the third day he arose. The priests and the captain of the temple, I'm, I'm, you know, I always do, I'm throwing a bunch of scriptures at you. so. That's how we're doing it today. The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail to the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men, number of men and women who believed grew to about five the next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. And as the high priest was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, 
whom you crucified, but whom God has raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. Now, you know I'm going to come back to that point. That's a little later. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. The story behind this starts in Acts chapter 3. Peter and John are walking into the temple. There's a lame man. He's a little over 40 years old. Um, and he's like, hey, man, he's begging. I need money. They're like, look, we don't have money for you, but here's what we do have. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. The man is instantly healed, goes with them in the temple, is rejoicing, and everybody's seeing this beautiful, this, this wonderful miracle, and they're inquiring about what's going on. And so. Peter and John are testifying to the risen Savior. What message do you think they preached? Jesus, who you crucified, God is raised up. And it is because of him that this man is healed. As you know, the Jewish leaders don't like that. One side note about this, our faith in Christ, you will face opposition that is guaranteed. So the leaders, they call them in. And mind you, I've got to say this too. These are the same people who yelled, crucify him. These are the same Jewish leaders who condemned Jesus to death. These are the same Jewish leaders who in Matthew 28 paid off some Roman soldiers who came back to them saying, hey, that dude that y'all put up in there that we were guarding, he ain't there no more. And they paid him a bunch of money to just say his disciples stole him took his body. You think these people are hostile to Christ? You think they're interested in Jesus? On the contrary. But yet, the message that is preached is still very loud and clear because people were believing in this. And, and mind you, the religious leaders, see, people during this time, they didn't have any incentive to believe in the resurrection. Yeah, maybe that was something God was going to do at the end of time. You go back to John 11, you remember that with Martha. Jesus comes a little late to the party. Lazarus is dead. If you had only been here. Well, you know he's going to rise again. Yeah, in the last day, 
So there was, you know, sometimes we think that, you know, it was easier for them than it is for us. No, it was not. We mentioned the Sadducees. They didn't believe in anything supernatural. Resurrection is dead, miracles, spirit. They didn't believe in that stuff. So this is who you're dealing with. They have no incentive to believe in Jesus rising from the dead. So this message is a problem to these people. But I love this when we get to verse 8, Peter being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a key point because you have to understand, as Jesus told them, you got to wait until you receive power. You can't preach this message. You can't be a witness unto me until you receive power. And this is Acts 1 and 8. You will receive power after the Holy Ghost comes on you, and then you will be my witnesses. So they couldn't do this without strength. So that's, that's something to note. And that's important for us because this is a powerful truth that's not ours. We don't own it. And I don't have the strength in and of myself to communicate it. Being filled with the Spirit said to these men, you want us to give an account? Okay. We got to keep it 100. You don't know what that means, 100%, you know. We got to keep it 100. Now, they had every reason to back down, to think about their own safety, because these are the same people who killed Jesus. So they had every reason to get pause. Okay, we're going before the leaders. Okay, okay. So don't say that, because that might offend them. That might throw them off. They, they don't want to hear that. Okay, let's kind of ease them in. We bring this into our day. Okay, don't, don't go there. To, you know, you want to take them out for coffee and sit down and kind of, kind of talk to them. No, this was not the time for that. There's a place for that. Don't get me wrong. Don't get mad at me. There's a place for that. I'm just saying in this context, no, this was a time for bold proclamation. They couldn't hide it. Mind you, these are the same brothers many days before this were hiding for fear of the Jews. Now they are boldly in public in front of the same people that said, crucify Jesus. Let me tell you how we did this. Jesus whom you crucified, whom you crucified, God raised up. I need you to understand these are fighting words, (laughs) y'all. This is not a joke for them. And what I love about this, this is a truth that is undeniable. You heard that in the text. The leaders can't deny what just happened. They couldn't deny that the tomb was empty. They got to spin it some kind of way. We, we got we to do something. Tell these, okay, people are believing in these guys. Okay, let's just stop this. Let's get a hold of it right now. Don't preach in his name again. Don't say his name. Don't preach the resurrection. Just be quiet about your faith. You can have your faith. I'm not telling you to change your faith. Just don't declare it. Okay? And that will make for peace. <laughs> but I love this. We can't help but declare what we've seen. Mind you, they are eyewitnesses. They witnessed the resurrection of Jesus. 
They saw him, they ate with him, they walked with him. And I love that part when the rulers recognize these dudes aren't educated. They're not learned men. They don't have degrees. These are fishermen. And I always wonder, what was it about them? Was it just their boldness, the eloquence of their speech? What was it about them that they're like, we can't deny there's something different with these dudes because they shouldn't be talking like this. They shouldn't be this bold in front of us. Like, do, you, do they know who we are? And they talking like this? Unlearned men, and get this, they, the religious leaders, recognized they've been with Jesus. The brother they hate and condemn to death, these brothers have been with him. That means they know something about Jesus. They won't acknowledge it, but they know something about Jesus. They'll never admit it. But Jesus has had an impact. Has Jesus impacted you like that? I said, do you know something about Jesus this morning? And they boldly proclaim under the power of the Holy Spirit. They testify to the risen Savior. Let me get to my notes right here. The leaders could tell, as I mentioned, that they've been with Jesus. Have you been with Jesus? Has Jesus influenced you? Can people look at us and say, hmm, there's something different about you? I don't know what it is, but there's something different about you. I love something that Dr. Tony Evans always says. <laughs> he said, listen, if you were accused of associating with Jesus, would there be enough evidence to convict you? If you were brought on trial, just like them, for being around Jesus, would you be guilty on all counts? These men have been with Jesus. See, because I want you to understand our faith isn't just mental ascent. It's not just intellectual doctrines you get. This is a life that's lived. Has Jesus impacted you this morning? Has he changed the way you talk, the way you think, the way you live? Are there people in your life that can say, yeah, I remember how you used to be, <laughs> and you ain't that no more. God has done something in you. Is that true of us this morning? And if it's not true of you, there's good news. It can be. <laughs> it can be. There's good news this morning. You may not be what you want to be, but hey. Christ is still here, calling us to himself. Have you been with Jesus this morning? That's time in his presence. That's time in his word, feasting on his word, as Mary did, sitting at Jesus' feet, learning from him. Have you been with Jesus this morning? Do you wake up thinking about him in the morning? Does his truth captivate you every morning throughout the day? See, this is where we get beyond quiet time and, you know, I had to do my 30 minutes and then I go on and I do the rest of my day. Does he permeate your life? I don't care where you are in a given day, you at work, you sleep, I don't care where you are. Does he permeate your thoughts? Do you come back to him? Do you think about what he's done? Do you reflect on him? 
That's a life with Jesus. Have you been with him? You see, that's a very intimate term. That's intimate. Heard his voice. Right? My wife can tell you something about me because she's been with me. She's been around me, you know? She knows me. That only comes with time in his presence. Are you spending time in the fellowship of the saints, huh? How we're learning how God is using each, of, uh, 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 each one of us and how we encourage each other in our faith, how we're strengthened in our faith. Are you being with Jesus this morning? Let's sit with that because we'll come back to that. I said before that the message hasn't changed. It's not just right belief, but it is demonstration. Let me give you another example of this message being preached. Another context, this is in Acts chapter 17, Paul, who's in Athens, a very different context, right? And it talks about how Paul is, 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 he's hanging out in Athens and he's provoked, his spirit is provoked because of all the idols that he sees. And, and so daily he's reasoning with Jews and Gentiles. But what's he preaching? He's preaching the death and resurrection of Jesus. Same message. And at some point he's confronted by these, these Greek philosophers who want to challenge him, right? And so that's where we pick up our reading. In Acts 17, verses 22, Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and, I, and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your prophets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. That's turn away, to change for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Peter and John were talking to a Jewish audience. This is more mixed. You got Jews, but you got Gentiles. You got Greeks. 
We understand the Greeks and all of their different gods. They've got a completely different worldview. Where does Paul start? He sees their idols made with hands, and he said, let me, do, let me tell you something. You see, the true God isn't made with human hands. It's not like gold or silver. He takes us back to creation. The message hasn't changed. The setting has changed. There are different nuances. There are different issues to negotiate here, but the message didn't change. The same God who created everything, let me declare that God to you, the unknown God. God created all people, everywhere. And God's desire is for all people to search after him. Made from one blood, all of humanity. One human race, y'all, made in the image of God. And he uses their understanding to kind of turn it on them in a sense. Let me take what you understand from your own poets. Yeah, this is the God. We are his offspring. In him we live and move and have our being, the God who created everything. And God calls us everywhere to repent. Going back to um, the last passage, salvation is in Christ. Repentance, the message of his death, resurrection. Repentance, turn. Same message, for he has set a day that he will judge the world. And what? He gave proof. What was the proof? What was Jesus' evidence? That he will rise from the dead. That was the proof. Get this, in every context where there's no incentive to believe in dead people getting up, what does Paul proclaim? The resurrection. He doesn't, down, he doesn't dumb it down. We're not going to water this down and here, let me, let me, I see where you are. Let me just kind of, no, Jesus died and he rose again. Different context, same message. Do you see the consistency? And see how the Spirit of God moves in different contexts, because I said there are different issues to negotiate. Same message. <laughs> Same message. He continues to testify of the risen Savior. So I don't know, what does that mean for us? I'll tell you what I said in the beginning. What do you think I'm going to say? You say, you just tell me. The message hasn't changed. Can you say that with me? The message hasn't changed. In 2023, in the United States of America, this same message from 2,000 years ago hasn't changed. That truth is still relevant right now. Our culture may not believe it. The question is, do we believe it? Because that's what the church demonstrated. You have to understand, see, see the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, this isn't just something we celebrate once a year. Do you realize this was the lifeblood of the church? They couldn't do anything without this truth. They couldn't do anything without the Holy Spirit pushing them, declaring the same truth 
because there's power in that truth. There's no power in my ideas. I can sit here and finesse and talk about, well, I understand where our science is, and science hasn't quite determined that dead people can get up, so let me finesse this, this sermon in a way so I don't kind of, you know, I don't offend the powers. No, I'm going to stand right here and say, Jesus is risen. Yes, in 2023, in a culture that says science is king, Jesus is risen. And just like them, they had no reason to believe that. Even his own disciples struggled with it. They're like, we have to declare what we saw. <laughs> we know about Thomas. We know about folks who they struggle with it. You know, struggling is real. We can't deny this, y'all. So I'm glad you're here at New Community if you wonder what it is that we preach. As you can tell, this is not a self-help sermon. I am not a life coach. This is not a motivational speech. What do we preach at New Community? We preach Christ crucified, that he died. He was buried. He rose with all power. I knew this was going to happen to me, but I can't. I got to preach this, y'all. We preached that he died and he was buried, but he rose again. And, church, I can't fix this up. I can't shape it up. I can't dumb it down. I've got to leave it as it is because these are the basics, y'all. This is the core of our faith. We preach him crucified, buried, and rose again the third day. We preach that he is coming again to restore all, to rule and reign. That's what gives us hope when we face trials and tribulations. That's what gives us hope when we face sickness and disease and death. That he is the risen Savior. We've got to believe that when we're staring at death. Can you believe that this morning? Do you trust that truth this morning that 2,000 years ago, history changed completely? You see, this has enormous implications for our lives today. As I said, it's not just something intellectual that we accept, but it, it permeates our lives this morning. We recognize that he is the Savior, so that means we recognize our need for salvation. We understand who, he is, who we are in light of who he is. Remember, God initiated, because he's Savior, I need to be saved. If you're not a Christian this morning, that's the call to you. I need you to see Jesus, the Savior. I need you to hear this morning that I don't care what kind of sin you're in, I don't care how deep you're in it, but the grace of Jesus, the grace of Jesus reaches that much deeper. There's no depth of sin that you're in that he can't get you out of. You're not lost, you're not too far gone. That's a lie of Satan. Jesus is here to save. 
Will you answer his call today? He came for you. It means that he is king and Lord. That means my life is not my own. It means I don't own myself anymore. He is the Lord that I bow before. Do you believe that this morning? He is king. What he says goes, my life is yours. I yield to you. We just talked about surrender. We yield to the king. He is risen. It means that we live victorious lives. It means that as a follower of Jesus today, there is no sin, no temptation, no struggle, no addiction that you can't overcome. Satan might be telling you today, you're going to deal with this for the rest of your life. You're going to deal with this struggle, deal with this addiction. You can't get free. You have no hope. The resurrection is proof that you can overcome that. But it's not by your own power. It's by his. Do you believe that this morning? These are the basics, the foundation of of our faith. Thank you. The resurrection is the hope that sin, evil, injustice, death, they have an expiration date. It seems like it's all that because we're faced with that right now. It seems like we can't shake it, but that is the hope of the resurrection. Death is not the end. Jesus conquered that. Sickness is not the end. Jesus conquered that too. That means that even in the midst of history, we can experience healing. And at some point we will go to the grave, but guess what? Jesus is Lord over all of that. We are going back to the basics. This has to be the foundation for how we do ministry, church whether we're doing community engagement, whether it's hospitality, media ministry, worship team, what's our foundation? Jesus came, he lived, he died, but on the third day he got up. The message hasn't changed. So what do you think we're gonna preach? And what do you think we're gonna demonstrate? So as a community, as we live in this space, That's what we live from. That's the victory we live from. And as I said before, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want you to see Jesus, the risen Savior, who died for your sins to bridge the gap between us and God, that we can be reconnected to God and given new life, abundant life. And in Jesus, you're no longer the same. You're a new creation. And he calls us to a completely different way of living, thinking. And the opportunity will be available to you. The altar will be open. At the end, I'll be available to pray for people. Other prayer uh, ministers, please be available if you can uh, to pray for people. As a church, New Community Covenant Church, in 2023, let's testify to the resurrected Savior and let our lives demonstrate that there's a new king in town. Pray with me, church.
Lord, it's in you that we live, that we move and have our being. We acknowledge, Lord Jesus, your sacrifice. We acknowledge what you've done for us, that you didn't stay dead, but that you rose again on the third day with all power in your hands, and you are coming again. So Lord, it is with boldness. Give us boldness to declare this message to a dying world that the Savior has come. May this permeate our lives, our singing, our living, our breathing, everything. That in everything, Lord, you will get the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate.